Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Come to Your Senses podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through a lifestyle of embodiment. You'll hear gems to empower you around mindset, mindfulness, somatic psychology, and neuroscience, as well as beauty, food, style, and the art of slow living to meet your soul through the senses. I am so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Come to Your Senses. I am so excited to be here with you today and share with you one of the great love stories of my life, which is my relationship to exercise. My relationship to exercise is of the days of your lives variety. (laughs) It's loaded with drama and history and still meets the odd skirmish, but has evolved into a very loving, very, dare I say, exciting part of my life. And today, I am going to share with you a little bit about my own story in the hopes that if exercise is something that you have a less than friendly relationship with, you can begin to create a little bit more ease and flow in this aspect of your life. So this episode is primarily geared towards those who wish that they felt more ease in the decision to exercise in the process of exercise and didn't feel so much what we might label as resistance. If your relationship to exercise tends to be more of the compulsive variety, where you over-exercise or you identify as an exercise bulimic, or you're just curious about that part of yourself, you just want to bring some awareness into this episode, or you may want to skip it altogether. Because in this episode, I'm going to be sharing ways to overcome and reduce our habitual no to exercise. And if your orientation to it is a habitual yes, just being mindful with yourself and with the messaging that comes in. And as always, everything that I share here is 
my own lived experience and is meant to serve as inspiration as you hold it up to your own life experience to see if it rings true for you. And so first of all, I just want to say thank you so much to those of you who have downloaded the new audio prayer poem that I released last week called Lay Down Beauty. I received a couple of emails and messages about the enjoyment and the relaxation and the unplugging that you experienced. And I think that that's a great place to start because as I was preparing for this episode, one of the things that came through in my writing is that you know, resistance is something that's labeled as bad or holding back or, you know, all these kinds of judgments that we put on the very real experience of what we might label resistance. And one of my teachers, Jenna Ward, describes resistance as simply trapped life force. And your relationship to exercise, if this is a place in your life where you experience resistance, where you may want to begin is not with pushing yourself harder or with abandoning it altogether, but instead with giving yourself an experience of relaxing. And Lay Down Beauty is a meditation, prayer, poem, love letter to you and your body and your psyche where you can access some of that in-the-moment relaxation and offer the body a little bit of a reset so that you can regain your access to choice. And so if you would like to download this meditation, you can go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash relax. I would be so honored to dance between your eardrums and share this beauty with you. And so let's dive in to our gems. Almost every single client who I work with, one of their key goals and desires is to orient differently to how they tend for their body and movement is one of the key areas that they want to focus on. And it's no wonder. Exercise, body, diet culture, it is such a loaded and layered experience. I remember being a kid and getting one of those enormous jawbreakers. Our bus driver, we I grew up going to Catholic school and there was this, we rode it like a little tiny bus. And so there was like six of us on the bus. And Sandy, if you're out there, <laughs> Sandy, our bus driver, who was really sweet and lovely, one day brought us back these jawbreakers, these, you know, big, giant, tennis ball-sized uh, candies. I think it was Sandy. I might be crossing some wires in my brain. But anyway, and, you know, the kind of thing that takes you, like, a year to finish. And I think that that's a beautiful metaphor for the way that our relationship is to exercise and the way in which exercise can be so rooted in magical thinking in diet culture, conformity, and white supremacy. There is no doubt that it is intermixed and intermingled with manipulative motives of capitalism. And what happens 
is that when you make the choice to exercise or not to exercise in a day, there's a lot going on beneath the surface. It's kind of like the oak tree that looks a certain size on the surface in the visible realm. And then underneath, you have these long-reaching invisible parts, roots, dark soil, mycelium, insects, you know, this whole ecosystem that's going on underneath. And so I share that with you because it's very common to tell yourself, what's wrong with me? Why am I so incongruent in saying I want one thing and doing another? And so I start there because in the process of unraveling some of the tension and again, what we might label resistance to exercise, where we always want to begin is with just curious awareness around what's there. And so a gem to start with would be in those moments, you know, and you can apply this to anything that you're experiencing some incongruence with, is in those moments of the choice to do or not to do, imagine you could freeze that moment and play it back in slow motion. What are some of the thoughts? What are some of the feelings, the decisions, the considerations? Because I would bet there's a whole lot going on underneath the surface that the conscious mind is not even aware of. And from the place of gentle curiosity, you know, once again, tension, often the origin point of tension is judgment and criticism, where no matter what you do, you are the common denominator and you're doing it wrong. And curiosity holds every experience with a loose, open palm of compassion and understanding. And so as you slow down that moment of choice or lack of choice, where you feel driven by impulse to do or not to do, what is actually happening there? What decisions are being made? What past experiences are being activated? What parts of my system are being asked to move faster than they are ready for? This is something that we work with a lot in embodiment coaching is slowing down to the pace of the slowest part of you and saying to that part, we are not going to move faster, any faster than you feel safe to go. We're still going to go. You know, for a lot of us, I think the experience of understanding and compassion with that soft, slow, scared part can be confused with immobilization. And by slowing down to just say, honey, I hear you. Of course you feel scared. Take my hand. We're going to go slow here, but we're still going to get our needs met. We're still going to go, but we're going to go at a pace that you can handle. The next gem is what I have written in my notes here, simply the nonsensical nature of a treadmill. (laughs) So something to know is that to your nervous system, whose evolution is much slower than that of your conscious prefrontal cortex, analytical 
logical mind who understands treadmills are a way to run in place in the air conditioning and control your pace and challenge yourself and all this kind of stuff. To your nervous system, it's like, why on earth would I run if nothing's chasing me? Why on earth would I run in place if I'm not chasing something I can eat? You know, to the nervous system, the primal limbic system of survival, its whole job is to conserve and disperse your energy. And when there's no stimulus, it doesn't make any sense to your nervous system to move and to run and to like, why would you lift weights if you're not moving a boulder out of the way? Makes no sense. And I find that helpful to remember. Because when I encounter resistance, it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. I hear you, sweetie. Yeah, makes no sense. Makes no sense why we would do that. And I'm going to ask you to trust me here. Because your nervous system doesn't hold as strong of a memory as your prefrontal cortex, your more rational brain, that exercise feels good. It's just like, why would I give a $100 bill of my energy when there's nothing chasing or nothing to be chased. And that kind of leads me into my next gem, which is, has to do with Pavlov's dogs. So you might be familiar with the phrase or the theory of Pavlov dogs. And I'm going to do my best to summarize it here. I always seem to kind of mess up and forget this explanation. So if I need to Google midway, I will. But essentially, it was this study of dogs, a group of dogs, where they would ring a bell and give a dog food, give a group of dogs food. So the dog learned that when a bell rang, there would probably be food afterwards. Just like I say to Winnie, my dog, sit, and she expects a treat. But what was an important discovery around neuroscience is that, you know, it's well known that you can kind of train a dog association with something, a bell, sound of a bell and food. But there was a autonomic response where after a period of about 90 days, the dogs began to salivate at the sound of the bell, simply the sound of the bell could cause the body to have a response. I'm sharing all of this with you because once again, to that more primal autonomic aspect of your system, particularly when you are beginning the process of a new habit, your system has not learned to expect the reward yet. It's still acclimating to the hard work of changing a neural pathway. But that 90-day mark, you know, with any change in habit, 90 days is a pretty well-known benchmark of when you have laid a significant enough track to get into a state of unconscious competence. So the four stages of competence or the four stages of change are unconscious incompetence when you don't know what your problem is, you just know that you're suffering. Conscious incompetence where you're suffering and you know what your problem is. 
conscious competence where you're making some changes, you're aware, it's uncomfortable, but you keep going. And then finally, you arrive at a state of unconscious competence where it becomes a part of who you are, a part of your behavior. There are so many theories that I could tell you about this. I find this so fascinating. But essentially, once again, in those moments where you're feeling less than friendly towards exercise, know that that is part of the process of changing any habit. And one of the things, you know, I never recommend overriding your body's signals but one of the things that I find can be helpful is experimenting with not waiting for desire to take an action when you are establishing a new habit. And in the spirit of Pavlov's theory, I notice this whenever I put on my workout clothes and my sneakers. Another concept, I'm not going to overload you with concepts today, but you know, the concept of inertia that an object in motion stays in motion is like the hardest part, the part that takes the most energy whenever you are embarking on something is the beginning. It's like that motion that puts the ball in motion is so much more energy than the amount of energy it takes to keep it in motion. And so as soon as I put on my sneakers and my little rider wear workout pants and my she fit sports bra. These are all brands that I love. My system starts to salivate because it has a body memory like, oh, I remember now there's a treat at the end of this, the treat of endorphins and the treat of oxygen and all those types of things. And so something I do with myself, a little game that I play with myself sometimes is I don't have to go out the door. I don't have to go for a run. I don't have to go to the gym. I don't have to do any of those things. I just have to put on my workout clothes and sneakers and walk around the house. And sure enough, just taking that step almost inevitably leads to a desire, a genuine desire to take the action because that hardest part is out of the way. And that leads me to my final gem which is the gem of play. You know, for your body, which once again operates in these survival states a lot of the time, most of the time, running to or from doesn't make sense if there's not a stimulus, but what does make sense is play. And some ways that I have found to bring more play into my relationship to exercise, first of all, is friends. Oh, where would I be without my walking buddies? Where would I be without my dear friend, Cynthia Sims, who is also a personal trainer and who I've been seeing for a long time, not just because of her training, but because I love her company. And we, it's kind of like your relationship with your hairdresser. We just talk about everything and it's fabulous. Where would I be without the odd friend who texts me at 5 p.m.? Hey, it's been a long day. You want to meet and do a walk at the gym on five level elevation and pound it out. And can I talk to you about why my partner is annoying me? You know, whatever it is. 
that community aspect, I think, is everything. And so some of the ways that I build community is, you know, first of all, to have relationships with people who share a love of movement. Also, people who are willing to try new things. I remember one time going to a spin class with my friend Jamie, and we were both really nervous and scared. We had never been to a spin class before. We didn't know that there were special shoes required. I wore Converse sneakers, which are like the worst shoes you can wear to a spin class. And we pretty much sat in the back and felt like Statler and Waldorf from The Muppet Show, the two older guys who sit up in the box and judge everyone and make fun of themselves. And uh, it was fabulous. And another way that I bring play into my workouts is by wearing cute ass outfits to the gym. I personally am very driven by beauty and by glamour and getting ready for anything. Even if it's going to the gym, I put on lip gloss. I work in a budget for the fancy running socks. Like having a wardrobe makes this a fixture in my life. It's not just something I throw on whatever for and consider it disposable time. And that's because those are my drivers. You know, you might be fine. You might love going to the gym in your old cozies. But for me, glamour and beauty and visibility is a big motivator. So there are a million more gems that I feel I could fill you in on about this process of changing habits, reorienting and redefining your relationship to resistance and bringing more play into your self-care. But alas, we must stop there. And if this resonates with you, not just the relational aspect to exercise, but this way of reducing tension and being compassionate and working with your system of intelligence rather than trying to overcome it or override it, in June, mid-June, I will be opening up for new clients in the Embodied Intelligence Coaching System. So you can learn more about that and join the waitlist for a special subscriber-only early sign-up savings at schoolofsensualliving.com slash coaching. There will also be a link to that in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time. For coaching, classes, and community in creating a lifestyle of embodiment, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video series on how to reduce anxiety and intercept the stress response through powerful, confident body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com confidence to watch your first video today.